Hey guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinho. If you were here just a couple minutes ago, then you were here for the watch along. Thank you so much for being there. It's so fun and so chill. Like we just hang out and just talk about whatever. So I love that. And if you're just showing up today for the first time on She Knows Arsenal, welcome. You know, we're going to be doing a group stage reaction. So we're going to be reacting to pretty much everything that happened during the group stages of the Euros. And to be quite honest, I'm surprised that there's so much to talk about because really in the group stages, sometimes it's a little bit like, you know, methodical, just, you know, um, this business is normal. And then there's been so many good performances that I didn't expect to happen. And it's popped off from the very, very beginning, which I loved, you know, so lots to talk about. And I have the pleasure of spending some time today with with george so i'm gonna go ahead and bring him in hey george hey how are you i'm good i'm good so have you been finding these the euros like exciting not so much did you expect there to be so much to like talk about uh not really because i think group stages normally are pretty boring but there's enough mm -hmm. surprises here i kind of like had this thing where and breathe after today because today it just ended with the bang you know the the group of death became the group of fun and you just had goals galore just absolute drama on the timeline i don't know about you but people were sending me messages like oh my god are hungry gonna do it and <laughs> um, you know, the whole France drama and then our, our Germany going to actually go through without, you know, kind of losing the entire time. And yeah, it was just a mayhem end, but uh, a lot of really great uh, performances throughout. And um, I think a lot of talking points, which is good for us. <laughs> it gives us content. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Especially because like nothing is really like legitimately happening with Arsenal at the moment. It's like nice yeah. for, to fill in with some of this kind of stuff. So I love it. And ultimately, like, I've been really looking at this, this group of death because, you know, it's, it's not very often that we get a very, like, star-heavy group knowing, you know what I mean? Like, usually it's like, well, you know, who's kind of going to win it? And I've, I'm, like, very excited that we've got an opportunity to see good players play against each other, good teams play against each other from the very beginning, you know, and this group did not disappoint today. Portugal playing against uh, France and Germany playing against Hungary. 
both games were crazy going on at the same time. I can say that I'm a little bit disappointed in Portugal, but ultimately all three of those teams go through Germany, Portugal, and um, Germany, Portugal, and France. France, yeah. And then Hungary. I mean, are they a little unlucky not to go through considering how, you know, good they've played, you know? <laughs> They're very lucky to go through. Look, Hungary, I mean, we'll get into like our big, you know, claims, but Hungary made a case for themselves in this tournament, you know? Uh, no, guys, I'm not a youth coach or <laughs> scout. Um, I do coach on the side, but no, I'm not <laughs> official with anybody. Um, but uh, but no, Hungary gave a really good account of themselves. And it was, like you said, kind of in those group of deaths, you kind of know who's going through. But I would argue Hungary probably played the most consistently out of that entire group. Like when you look back in terms of where they are like, in pedigree, and then how they actually performed, it was kind of amazing. And they all did it without Shobazvai, who's their main creator as well, where you look back and you're like, this little team that could, were they going to be the Iceland kind of, um, you know, mm -hmm. storyline? And, um, but yeah, it was, it was just so exciting, I think. And um, I think they're hard done by, if I'll really be honest with you, I wanted them to be the Iceland. And I actually thought they could go far. So... You know, it was awesome. But um, I think Germany are very lucky. But also, that's a really tasty lineup with England now. So, um, yeah, lots mm -hmm. of tales to talk about there. 100%. So let's go ahead and get into our best and worst of the group stage, all of those great things. So, But before we get started, you guys make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. And feel free to interact with us and let us know what you think. You know, if you think I'm right, you know, because I'm always right. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, <laughs> tell me if, if I'm wrong. It's That's the show, fun. right? She knows Arsenal. It should be she, <laughs> she knows, knows Arsenal, football. you know. You can, you know, you can give your opinion, but, you know, I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. But um, let's go into the best goal. You know, this is kind of like yeah. one of those ones where, you know, is it? it's hard to look past the shit goal, really, against Scotland, isn't it? You know, well, they already right. claim it's the goal of the of the tournament already. Is that, is that I think it's a little early. I mean, yeah, I think I want to go with that one just because it's like, it was so good. And it's the yeah. one that got replayed over and over again. But that doesn't mean that there weren't some other go good goals in there. You know, what do you think? Well, okay, so I've got a tough one. I think solo goal, what we're talking about, Lewandowski's goal today deserves a mention. The way that he did, you know, I, I, it's probably harsh on Schick because when I look at those goals, I think a lot of them are instinct. And, you know, um, mm -hmm. when you have a look up and he's off his line and you, you give a punt, they look spectacular. But um, it, it, I think in terms of just solo efforts, the way that Lewandowski was able to kind of isolate his team, the, the, the kind of the moment in terms of the flow of the game when they needed a goal – and him pulling out to that left-hand side, dribbling past a couple players, and then slotting it in far corner. That's my poster goal. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably Lewandowski's my favorite goal of the tournament. You know, you can maybe look at some team moves, um, where I think Holland and Italy have probably been the yeah. best teams, and their team moves have been really quite nice in their patterns. But uh, I'm going to go with Lewandowski because I'm a solo moments kind of guy, and uh, yeah, he, he, he wins it for me. Yeah, Yo-Yo saying Yarmolenko's goal against the Dutch. Modric's quality too. Was nice as well. And um, when you talk about like the Netherlands, you know, this is a team that I think I had huge questions about. I still kind of do just about their defensive capabilities. But in a, a tournament where the best teams, you know, your Frances, your, your um, Portugals are playing pretty pragmatic football, even England to a certain extent. 
I like to see that the Dutch are deciding to do something a little bit different. And you do see that free flowing football going forward. And there were some goals between like Depay and um, Wijnaldum. There was also like a goal that was like Depay, Malin, Dumfries. Like uh, most of their goals have been more team goals. And it's been kind of like a, a, a nod to the old way that, you know, we're used to watching like even Arsenal play. So I really, you know, have enjoyed watching them. What do you think their capability is of, of how far that they can go? Like with mm. a team that has maybe some questions about the defense, they seem to not really have any issues scoring goals. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a big part of Frankie de Jong. And, mm. um, you know, when I look at, you know, uh, Holland, look, they've surprised me because I didn't think they'd perform as well as they have. So I've got to give them their plaudits because when, when I came to the tournament, I was like, okay, they've got no, they've got no leader. Uh, I'm worried that they're just a nice team. And uh, I worried about kind of in their midfield. So not only is their defense kind of poor right now, but I worry about the gaps that they have in the team. Like right now, when you do even analyze, you know, Frankie de Jong's doing a lot of progression where I kind of saw the Ajax of old in him really. And, you know, I'm really happy for him. He's had such a poor season in Barca, but that could be kind of reminiscent of their team in general. Um, And he's kind of reminded people why he can be a world-class number six. And you don't always have to have, you know, even though I'm a, pace and power kind of guy and everybody knows this really on past episodes you know I appreciate a good you know technical player and a little deep lying playmaker and you know Frankie de Jong's kind of the poster boy for that right now so in terms of how can far can Holland go though I think they're too reliant on individuals right now um, where really Frankie de Jong is actually kind of carrying that team in my opinion while they've had some great team goals that's in their philosophy I don't think they've been challenged by a good coach or a good team quite yet they, they really were quite favorites despite them coming in with poor form into the tournament. Um, I think they could probably go quarters would be really good for them, to be honest. I don't know how far they make it out of the group. Um, we, I might have to refresh myself on the updated um, knockouts, but I would say I'm not looking at them as a semifinal team, certainly. Um, so they're just a good team and I think they'll struggle against really good opposition. Mm-hmm. We have to see how they are able to cope with, you know, teams with really good offenses. I just, I struggle to see how they'll cope without Van Dyke and, you know, that type of thing, but we'll see what happens, you know, but let's get on to the things that I like to talk about, which are people making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing at them. So um, biggest mistake so far. I mean, it, there's I mean, a clear it's winner fresh in our me. mind. There's, <laughs> a, there's a clear mind. winner for me. Um, Dubravka against um, Spain. <laughs> Oh my God. That's a FIFA glitch. Anybody that's played FIFA knows that's, that's horrific, isn't it? He's playing volleyball. He's not even, um, and what's he doing? Like, just put it over your bar. Like, (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking, but I mean, the first thing I think is just like, is there a Newcastle fan I can speak to and banter, you know, because it's just like, (laughs) he belongs to you. Like what's happening. But what yeah. you know, Newcastle fans were saying like he's been so integral for them like this past season that just you know ended. But then to see him just like batted into his own goal was kind of shocking. And yeah. even the second goal, I kind of felt like maybe he could have done better, you know, in the the next goal that came, you know. So, but it was funny. I'm not gonna lie, I did laugh a little bit. I did chuckle, you know, because it was just kind of like, what's he doing, yeah. you know? But I can think of maybe another cut like couple, you know, all the chances, you know, all the chances that were missed by Moreno 
and Murata, Eminem. You know, there's so many you can barely, I mean, the missed penalties that both of them have missed like wide open sh shots, you know, they went, it's, it's so weird because they score five goals today, but I still think there's questions around their clinical finishing. You know, what do you think about Spain and the fact that Eminem just seemed to miss so many chances? I like that, Eminem. Um, well, okay, Murata is a weird, he doesn't help himself, does he? Like, there, there's a lot of, like, you know, people looking at what he does for the team and the greater part. He has that Lacazette syndrome, right? Like, he's one of those um, players that does a lot of work for the team. Uh, but just fundamentally, the efficiency is just so horrific. You don't know what you're going to get. He's such a confidence player where, you know, he could go on a run right now and be a, a tournament top goal scorer. Like, that's what he could do. He's such a, a fluky kind of um, confidence player in general that – he could have that, but then he has the penalty misses. And you get so frustrated because they don't mix. You know, he, he's got such so many big boobs. Murata's one of the players where if you look back, he's kind of like Giroud. He's going to have a great, you know, YouTube compilation. But um, he's managed to get some great moves in his career um, without ever really impressing to the degree that he should have. Um, yeah. And I worry about the Spain team because, look, I think Luis Enrique is a really good coach. I actually do think that they're... Um, you know, they have one of the brightest talents in the world in Pedri right now as a team. And, you know, for a team that was dominating possession, they needed that output. And, you know, to call on, you know, Eminem to quote your nickname, it's kind of depressing to go from like David Villa in terms of what he's given us as fans for tournament output and memories to Murata. Uh, I don't know. Is there a bigger downgrade? I don't I don't really know. because Shocking. It's, it's really horrible. shocking. Yeah. And I'm just like the both of them are just yeah. out there just and I'm like, which one was it? Which M was it? You know, they're just missing chances. They're just vibing. Yeah, they're just <laughs> vibing on misses, you know, but then we can also talk about maybe Yo-Yo was saying that there's a back pass in the Denmark game. That was impressive. So, you know, there there were some other big mistakes. You know, I can think about McGinn. He missed a mm -hmm. pretty clear cut chance like about two yards out against Croatia. You know, so some, you know, even Lewandowski, he had a, a big miss before he scored his goal, you know, so. Yeah, crossbar, definitely open some goal miss. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, but I think Dubravka versus Spain has to be the one because it was when a goalkeeper makes a really big mistake, it's usually ends in a goal. Like, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and it's just so like, what was he thinking? You know, but yeah, so those are our biggest mistakes. So now let's talk about the best player so far, like somebody that's mm. impressed you, somebody that's, you know, done really well. You know, I'll let you start. I'm sure we can think of a couple. Yeah, I can't. So, uh, look, I think. Besides Bakayo Saka. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to ba bank that bias, but, like, make no mistake. We did say he would play himself into this team, and we did yeah. say he would play himself into the tournament. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll rein it in, rein in the bias. But, um yeah, no, Frankie de Jong has to be in there for me because uh, just of how I viewed Holland in terms of, you know, you can't go from thinking that they would really disappoint to them being maybe one of the best forum teams at the moment in the in the Euros, where um, I would say them in Italy right now are the best forum teams, um, you know, going into these knockouts. And that's hugely on, you know, Frankie de Jong. That, that's totally on him. Um, another one is definitely Lukaku. Between him and Lukaku, I really struggle because Lukaku's probably in form right now, the best number nine on the planet. And, mm -hmm. you know, he he's just been carrying on what he's been doing at Inter. And I think a lot of people carried their past, you know, 
maybe biases really with what he did in England because kind of the opposite of what he, you know, he was claimed to not have in Timberland boots, not having a first touch, I would argue at this tournament, he's shown everybody that he can play back to goal. You know, he's, uh, he's just a monster. When he gets going, there's no stopping him. There really, there really isn't. So if you give him 10 yards on the run, it's it's kind of game over for you. And when you have, you know, Kevin De Bruyne kind of spamming crosses to you, that's a lethal partnership where I think Belgium mm-hmm. as a team are quite, you know, poor actually in terms of their um, midfield cohesion. I think that that partnership is going to spam their way into the quarters, really. Um, and if they do go farther, it's totally on Lukaku, really, I, I think, taking his chances. And, you know, I, I said this in one of my prediction videos where, the Euros and knockout tournament in football is so much um, about a moment kind of thing. It's not mm-hmm. like a season. You don't, you can't look at really season consistency and really system play in a knockout tournament. You have to be, you know, the gaps need to be really tight. You need to make your distances tight. You know, these low block teams, like we quoted Hungary earlier, they're going to be, you know, a favorite on everyone's lips, but it's because they have this low block and, you know, they keep their distances tight and you have to pick your moments. And so, yeah, I think best player for me is just Lukaku. He has to edge it. But Frankie de Jong is really, really close. And uh, it's only because he's brought that kind of team up to a standard of being faves in the tournament where I thought Holland would really struggle. Um, and then maybe Renato Sanchez has really impressed me in terms of the minutes he got because um, he's been excellent. But I just don't think his impact on the team has been as great as Lukaku's or Frankie de Jong. So probably... Yeah, and of course, Bukayo Saka, um, you know, deserves a mention. Pretty much. I mean, we're just <laughs> talking about runners-up here. It's definitely Bukayo Saka, <laughs> you know, but I'm thinking Jeannie Wijnaldum. I think he's been very good for, mm-hmm. for the Dutch, you know, between him and Frankie de Jong and Depay, my guy. You know, it's like, I think they've been, where you said, like, Renato Sanchez looks has looked great. The impact from Gina Wijnaldum has been, has ended in goals, you know, and things like that. And that's important, you know. So for me, Gina Wijnaldum is a big one. The reason why I won't, I probably won't say anybody on Italy is because they're more like the team. You know, it hasn't really been like one standout person. So maybe we can keep them for maybe like the team conversation. But I definitely think I'll go with Gina Wijnaldum because this is a team that's not really like they're the next level down from like the teams that people are really talking about, but he's really pushing them forward in my opinion. And it's not like, I think he's the most, the thing about Wijnaldum is I don't think he's like the most gifted player, but he knows he's so experienced. He knows what to do. And I mean, what can you really say about him? I think he's been really influential. I mean, you could probably off of the last game, maybe throw Modric in there. I think, He's been good too. Maybe not as good as Gina Wijnaldum, but he's been good too. I do have to say Lukaku has been not surprisingly good because we know we know mm-hmm. Lukaku. We know he's really good, but man, I wouldn't want to be a defender watching him run toward me. Yeah, like you know, I'd be scared. Like you know, because the guy is like a he's like a machine. You know, so but I think I will give it to Genie because. When I watch them play, I'm just like, he's so important. And if they didn't have him, I don't know where they'd be, you know, to be honest. And so, I think France Pogba, just before we move on, mm, he deserves a yeah. mention. Like, he, he, yeah. I don't think he, okay, he hasn't done enough where his team have realized the results. So that's the one thing. But, you know, on an individual performance level, France Pogba is a different beast. And, you know, he kind of shows people, you know, what he could be, really. I, I think Man United continue to misuse him. 
um, happily for us, I'm continue that <laughs> I hope that they continue this. But um, yeah, France, but in terms of the roles that he's done, you know, I think France in general have actually underwhelmed. And, you know, I yeah. kind of thought they may with this Benzema dynamic. I really didn't know how that would play out mm. just in terms of team chemistry. I think there's mm. no doubts on the player, but in terms of how he comes into a team that really relied on their togetherness and past tournaments. And, you know, I think Paul Pogba has been the quarterback for that team, saving them on, you know, kind of poor performances. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say that they've been bad, but they should have done better in a lot of the games that they've played. And Paul Pogba is a big reason for them saving face. Uh, but yeah, you got to go with like Lukaku or Frankie De Jong as your major ones. And Genie himself with his goals have been immense, you know. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention to Gosens, I think he had a mm-hmm. really excellent game against um, Portugal. You know, I think his his is more about form right now than anything in particular. Like, you know what I mean? I think once people figure out and you don't have um, what's what's his name? Um, you know, who I'm talking about the Wolves guy. I was just talking crap about him. Uh, no, um, the or Sumi- no the uh, right back tomato yeah, yeah i was gonna say tomato tax but <laughs> yeah tomato like when you don't have him it's different you know but i would say yeah. honorable mention just him because he did have a really excellent game but it's going to become more fewer and far between in my opinion just because i think it's once you get further into the competition it's like you kind of have to have a good game every single game so some of yeah. these players i think will fall off but i think i agree with kind of like everything we've already said so you guys Make sure you guys are liking the video and subscribing to the channel. Let's talk about the best team. The best team. You know, um, I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. Is Okay, is this one also a debate? Because I think Italy have been the best team by far yeah. in the tournament. Like, they're, yeah. they're attacking patterns. The way that Mancini, okay, it's no doubt because I think Mancini is the best coach. The one thing actually you can maybe look at mm-hmm. all in these these teams, they have really poor coaches in general. Like, he's yeah. so clearly the best coach yeah. in the tournament. Um, but, it, like, it deserves special mention because when you look at it, right, they had Verratti who was injured midway through the group stages, right? And he came back injured and put in that kind of a performance. And But in order to kind of balance Locatelli, he was actually not really an advanced eight in kind of role for his team in Sausulo. He was very much a deep-lying playmaker. But you've got Jorginho and the way that they coach their attacking patterns with Spinazzola and kind of their opposite flanks and Berardi using his pace on the side, um, who, you know, has had an excellent Serie A season with Juventus, probably their best player to be honest with you, but making those profiles fit took coaching for sure. Mm-hmm. And from a team that lacked really output in general, I think one of the biggest misses of Italy is they don't have a reliant goal scorer, but their midfield is so dominant that they're just going to outplay everybody in the tournament with their midfield. And that's okay. So Italy have been definitely the biggest team. Again, I will say Holland based on form though. I want to give a special mention and a shout out to them Um, But I just, unfortunately, I don't give them the same praise because I think that um, they were in a group that they really should have shone. And I, again, think that Frankie de Jong has been a big part of their success. So if I'm looking at the best team and cohesive, it's got to be Italy. Yeah, it's definitely – it has to be Italy. I just – it's hard to look past them, but I do want to give an honorable mention to to Belgium, who I think has has looked good. I know that they weren't, like, killing it you know, the way that um, Italy was, but even missing key players like De Bruyne and Witzel, you know, if they can get them going, I think the team will be hard to beat. Although 
you know, you look in the back line and you're like looking, I'm like, oh, you know, these guys are still here, you know, that kind of thing. But ultimately from the back, that yeah. back line from everybody forward, that looks pretty good. If you can get some, if you could squeeze something out of Hazard, you know, yeah. you might have a chance. But I think they've looked good even despite not being perfect, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, and, and look, I think special mention to one of the smaller teams, Denmark, who I was really impressed with oh, yeah, in terms yeah. of like their pressing structure. Like they've been actually pretty good, um, you know, and I, I think they've been coached very well, to be honest. I think they've got the best pressing, to be fair, in the tournament, really. Like looking back, you know, some of these teams, Italy and Holland that we're talking about have been on the ball, but I think Denmark off it have been exceptional, really. If they if they had outlets, they'd be a serious dark horse. That, that's a dark horse. If yeah. You know, the idea that Italy wasn't, um, you know, a dark horse uh, before was a fun mm -hmm. narrative. But like Denmark, you know, if they had outlets, they would be a serious contender. So I wanted to give them a special mention. But yeah, it, it's really got to be Italy for the most part, because it, Italy just in terms of form and how they've played you know I think people say that they move side to side and it was just possession football I'm not sure I subscribe to that idea there was a lot of great movement ahead of the ball and you know fitting Berardi in without Verratti and having Locatelli as your eight takes some serious coaching and so I think yeah Italy's got to be the best team I think yeah it, I just sometimes I just and this is just the sidebar and I just have to get this out here just because it just irritates the crap out of me but I just don't understand how we can, I know we watch the Premier League and the Premier League is what well, we watch. I know we watch more than that, but just like in general, the Premier League is like the main, you know, the main show, but I don't know how we can see like somebody like Verratti play the hmm. way that he does, like dictate the midfield, total class, like, you know, up there with the best midfielders in the world. And then look at somebody like Declan Rice and be like, yeah, he's worth 80 million. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, come on, y'all. Like, do you see? Like, sometimes I just, I don't understand. Like, I get that, you know, Declan Rice works really hard, but like, let's be real. He's nowhere. He's not levels, is he? <laughs> No, we've, we've definitely got an EPL glasses. It's like, it's, it's our version of drunk goggles, isn't it? You know, like, oh, she looks great, you know, um, or he looks great, uh, whatever is your, your speed. And then it's, it's like, I think we do this with our players, you know, we do overrate them, you know, I think it's all part of narrative though, you know, so I can't like act here like I haven't done it, you know, as, as he shouts for Bukayo Saka in a joking way, but kind of serious, <laughs> Marino shouts on the tournament, but um yeah, I think it's kind of amazing, like you said, that, you know, we don't value pretty much play outside the Premier League. And you know what? Lukaku is my favorite example of that. He's in England and he has no touch. He's wearing Timberlands. He's horrific as a player. One year in Italy with Conte and he's taking it seriously. And now he's the best back to goal striker. I don't know if you guys remember the narratives, but he couldn't play back to goal with yeah. Mourinho. That was the narrative that he was horrendous. In fact, Everybody wanted him sold because he had no touch, apparently. Yeah, um, and look at him now. Yeah, a year later, and, you know, he suddenly got a touch. You know, he ate some special pill um, that, you know, Syria. It was all that pasta that, you know, made him lose weight, too. Um, anyways, like, there's so many narratives that um, we do as fans. But you know what? Like, that's our job, isn't it? You know, we can't all be robots. So I'm here for it, to be honest with you. And you know what? It does actually, I think what international football does for us though is it lets you kind of evaluate your players not in that um, EPL mindset so you get to lose some of you know you're you're looking at things too close I think and international football is very different it's a lot slower and I think it's a little bit more tactical 
And so what you're going to see is a lot of these like leagues like Syria and Ligue 1 and even the Bundesliga who are have maybe more space in general, particularly Syria. I actually would love to do a study. If you looked at it, I think most of the Syria players are balling <laughs> at yeah. the tournament here. And I think that's because the league is very conducive to kind of international football. And th that might be an interesting comparison, right? So like, you know, we traditionally think even with, you know, Champions League, we get a chance to see these teams come up against mm -hmm. each other. But I think the speed of play is just so different that um, it suits people that are in Syria. So, uh, but does. Declan Rice has been <laughs> a special something, you know, he could go into the biggest disappointment if you really wanted to go into that and to how hard, because I rate Declan Rice, I do. But I rate him as like, in the Premier League sense of, you know, if I'm thinking about like, well, who are the best midfielders in the world? He's nowhere near that. But like in the Premier League, because yeah. the assignment is different. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, about, you know, like we always talk about power and pace and athleticism and getting stuck in. And I think that's why players from Italy kind of veer away <laughs> from playing in the Premier League because because Jorginho, this is another sidebar. Jorginho is a class player, you yeah. guys. Like when I see Chelsea fans being like, he's the worst player ever, I'm like, well, he's not being played correctly. <laughs> like, you know, and he's basically like, a conductor but it's hard to do that when the cdm in the premier league has to be somebody like a conte a yeah. ball winner type of person but if he sits deep and he's he has the space to dictate he's a very good player but again he would probably be much better in italy you know what i mean yeah, that's just narrative. a sidebar narratives narratives they rule football you know they give us our drama they give us our storylines <laughs> and they give us content so i'm not going to complain but i'm going to laugh at them and you know we'll discuss and see you know who has egg on their face at the end of the day because you know what declan rice it's going to come down to a decision in england you know I, I i don't know um even harry kane who let's should we have that conversation because well no let's poor. hold it in let's hold it until biggest disappointment <laughs> Let's hold it until biggest disappointment. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys, we're going to talk about Harry Kane, and we're not going to, like, hold back. walk on eggshells. We're going to talk about it, okay? So biggest surprise, we already kind of touched on it, and um, one of my biggest surprises has to be hungry. I'm just in the group of death, could have easily just rolled over and did a turkey, but they didn't. They made a game out of every single one of those games against France, against Portugal, against uh, Germany. And I think they're unlucky not to go through. I mean, the team and togetherness, and even I thought that they would struggle away from home because I thought their, you know, their fans, their 12th man was really giving, galvanizing them and helping them go forward. Even without that playing in the rain and monsoon type weather against Germany, they were still able to tie the game. It's to totally unlucky not to, to go through. And, for me, they were my biggest surprise, like, by a lot. I really thought that they were just going to get destroyed, to be honest, you know? Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't think you can look past any other team outperforming expectations beyond them, right? So I think in terms of surprise, it's really got to be them, you know? Uh, and maybe, you know what, um, as like a small joke, maybe VAR, that the fact that it can work, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, it's, or it's, that it's Anthony amazing. Taylor and... um. Michael Oliver can actually referee games if they're yeah, not in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, if they're not influenced by English fans, it's amazing what they can do. But no, like VAR can work. It can be very speedy. And it's like shock horror. It's actually the people using them that maybe is the problem. But anyways, um, <laughs> not to go down that narrative like slide. Uh, yeah, I think Hungary, it has to be Hungary because, 
you know, they've been immense. Their 5-3-2 low block has just been kind of a sight to behold, really, in a sense. And, you know, they did it a different way than Denmark. I think both really needed, you know, outlets. But you've got two teams that who I think Denmark is probably my actual shout now that I think about it. I didn't expect yeah. Denmark to do that well and their pressing yeah. has been actually immense and they both just need an outlet like in a reliable runner um you know you're kind of inside forward or just an outlet of some kind and they're doing some serious damage in this tournament you know hungry are going through i think with shoba's and an outlet you know or even just shoba's like they gave everybody a run for their money um so yeah maybe mine was just denmark just to keep it a little bit different because i think their pressing structure has been absolutely amazing and you know what look I, I don't want to get too much into it but having a big player for them you know deal with what they did but then to continue to play not just you know mm -hmm. kind of beyond that but you know their thoughts are obviously with you know Christian Erickson and you know all our thoughts are really but to have such a major thing happen like that at a tournament and not derail your group stage campaign is so impressive um, just to the mentality but also how they did it, they were pressing, they took the initiative. Like it wasn't that they were a low block and not to hammer them, because I think you've got examples here of two ways to play. But um, yeah, to take the initiative as little old Denmark to press in the way that they did after what's happened, it's been immense. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, uh, just so happy that, you know, things are looking better for Christian Eriksen. And that was a very scary thing that happened. And, you know, it just kind of gave us a lot of perspective, you know, so I completely agree with that. And Maybe special mention to Wales too. I don't know about oh, yeah. you. Yo, yeah, yeah, I was just okay, about to click on that. Wales, yeah. I mean, I'm not like interested in really watching them play. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like, okay, whatever they're on, you know, and then yeah. some people are like, oh, Ramsey. I don't, you guys don't care about Ramsey anymore. Sorry. <laughs> I hate to say it to you guys, but I don't. But ultimately, you know, they, they, they've done well, you know, they've yeah. done well. And um, they played a, a decent brand of football and got through relatively easily, you know? So, Hey, what can you say about them? I mean, yeah. and Daniel James, somebody who I've always felt this about him. Like, I think he's just at the wrong team. When you watched like the, the Leeds documentary and you saw that they were like a second away from being able to get that transfer done for him. Then yeah. you think about like how much better he would be in a system like Bielsa's and you see him play in this tournament and you're like, he's just not in the right team, you know? So Wales definitely gets an honorable mention, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I had them not finishing second. I had them finishing <laughs> third at best, and, you know, because I just didn't know where they would get the goals, but yeah. So like they definitely deserve um, a mention, but you know what? They kind of did squeak by without playing immensely. They're just nice. Um, so it was weird. It really was a weird group in general, that one. Um, but yeah, they, they've got the output, so they have to go up there, you know? Yeah, 100%. So those were our biggest surprises. Let's get on to our biggest disappointment. Mm, you're already smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm like, I'm like the negative. You're so, I'm here for so this. Funny. <laughs> so it's so funny because I know we're going to talk about Harry Kane. Mm. Um, but I, I think... You could throw Turkey in there. I mean, every, a lot of people, Turkey. yeah, um, Dark Horse, Dark Horse, Dark Horse. <laughs> like, not really. Like, they just weren't. It's so funny how deceptive, like, you know, the friendlies and stuff can be before, you know, and then they come into this competition. And with and with the talent that they have, like, yeah. it's not like 
they were a decent group of players that just happened to get results. Like some of those are some names, big, names. you know, those are some big names. names. I yeah. said in my, in my prediction, I said, Turkey should be a dark horse. They should, because of the talent you run through that team, the Miro, Kagalar Sionchu, right? Chelek, um, you know, Yazizi and Yilmaz, who those three just won league Un, by the way. And, you know, when you start to add, you know, they've also got, who else do, do they have? They have uh Sendez Under, who's yeah. also a great outlet. Like, uh, Kalhanoglu, who's had an excellent Serie A season, like you run through that team, that's a talented squad. And, you know, their goalkeeper, um, Kakir, or Kachir, I, I'm butchering their names, but <laughs> he's been excellent, you know. Um, but what, what I think happened with them um, is a couple things. International pedigree was something I highlighted before this tournament that does play a role. So if you're an inexperienced team and you've never been there, done it, you know, it's going to be tough. And Turkey as a team, they've never really gone far internationally. So mm -hmm. it, it was definitely, you know, a big stage where they did choke, right? And so international pedigree is going to play a role really in any um, tournament, but it, but it helps more so in knockout competitions. And then I think another thing really is their team, they didn't play to the ethos of their team. They had possession-based players and they sat back in a low block. That doesn't yeah. make sense to me. We've talked about this before, that you have to play to your ethos of your club. And that goes for international football. It's it's a broad stroke that I really use as a fundamental, really principle of mine. If I see a team that doesn't play to their ethos, I'm like, they're going to struggle. And so Turkey did that. They played a low block and they kind of, you know, invited pressure on themselves when they really didn't need to. They had the players mm -hmm. to put their foot on the ball and they just didn't do it. So, yeah, as a team, they're definitely my biggest disappointment. Another one of my disappointments, and we we're talking about this in the watch along is um, it's it's kind of, you know, it's not really like a, a person or anything. It's teams that have played with a double pivot. I just feel there's teams that have tons of attacking talent that are playing with these very doubles in midfield that don't add any depth or, you know, anything to your midfield. You saw that Portugal today move to a single pivot. And although I didn't think it really changed their, their chance creation, I think – they needed to switch something up. I think England needs to consider their double pivot, maybe look for some dimension, something, because Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice doing pretty much the exact same thing. If you need a passer or a dribbler or somebody in there to do something a little bit different. So I would say one of my biggest disappointments is offensive teams with a lot of attacking talent playing with a very conservative double pivot that's not really serving their team. Well, you know what, and I think it gives us a great lesson in terms of one of the other lessons I really talk about on here is where you can't have two players in the same zones doing the same role. And we see this exactly why, you know, as you were describing that double pivot, I was just like, Southgate, Southgate, Southgate. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's also a matter of not playing players really to their roles. So another one is, you know, Foden. And on a serious level, look, like we do joke about Bukayo Saka, but I'm sorry, everybody. We did, as Arsenal fans, collectively tell you, Bukayo Saka not only deserves his place in the squad by merit, but he will play himself into this team, and there's really a good reason. But like put, putting Phil Foden on the right, where he hasn't played that way really for City, and expecting him to do a role that's very different, because I think the way that, mid, that um, England play is they're actually really quite pragmatic. I mean, I don't agree with it, but it is like their philosophy, really. And right. I think with Phil Foden, you're putting him in a position where at City, he's got insane movement in the front line and he's got tight spaces. So he punches things um, like over five to 10 yards as opposed to 
having what Bukayo had to do, which he's done for Arsenal on tons of occasions, but picking it up from the halfway line and helping progression 15 or 20 yards. That's what that England team is crying out for right now. And, you know, putting Phil Foden to a spot that really, you know, isn't, that's not his role. I struggle when I hammer him. So yeah, he has played bad, but that doesn't mean he's a horrific player. It's just, he wasn't played in the right zone that he was. And then when you have a double pivot with Rice and Phillips doing the same thing, look, it, it kind of it defeats the purpose, right? So um, mm-hmm. I think on the alternative view, you actually have Italy who have only have been kind of the other team that have shown the opposite in a sense where you have Locatelli and Jorginho and they showed that it could work a little bit. Although I will say Locatelli did end up having kind of one of his more worst games at that aspect. So it, it shows the importance of just putting balance and synergy just to maybe bring it a little bit back to transfer season. Like when we do think about these links, this stuff matters, right? And, you know, playing these roles for your club teams, they need to kind of be emulated in international football. Otherwise, you're going to have a really poor tournament. You know, you can't expect somebody to do a different role than their club because there's not enough time to adapt. So, um, yeah, uh, Southgate deserves a mention, but it's cane time, isn't it? I think the comments want it. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) let's stick with England and just we can talk about Kane, but... I also wanted to kind of touch on the Bakayo Saka thing too, you know, before we get into Kane, just really quickly, like just piggybacking off of what you said, it's, it's all about like, to me, the idea that England should just play the, the players that are perceived as better for their club team doesn't make sense for me because it's more about how they fit together. You have to try to figure out chemistry and you have to figure it out quickly. And for you know, Saka, he can adapt to different types of way of playing. And I saw people saying, well, it's mostly just because like England's pragmatic and Arsenal is pragmatic. So that's why it works. And I'm just like, yeah, sometimes one plus one does not equal two. It's way more than that. And he deserves to be in the team because he works the best with the players that the chemistry just works. I thought Sterling and Saka running in behind, but they can also come short as well. Whereas Foden is more of a behind the ball type of player. And he doesn't add that next level of being able to do something a little bit different. And then you have Jack Grealish in there causing chaos. So again, like it's not just about, well, Jaden Sancho should be playing because he plays for Dortmund and he's ranked da, 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 da. One, if he's not doing it in practice, which I think Southgate is intimated, like he keeps saying that Saka is doing it in practice, maybe he's not focused. But nevertheless, like Rashford hasn't really showed anything. Sancho hasn't really showed much. But when Bakao Saka came out there, he did his thing. So I really don't want to hear any more of like Saka is just there because da 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 da. He's, He's there, there because he deserves too. to be there. Yes, like he, he played really well. Yeah, and forget. And you know what? Let's because because you said let's let's forget what they've done for their club. So let's be consistent. What he did for Austria on merit, let <laughs> him be in the team. So like if you know, I, I want to be consistent and maybe our criticism, right? So you know, let, let's remove club seasons then if we're not going to acknowledge great seasons. And by the way, Bakayo had a similarly great season. You know. Look, Bukayo himself as a player, we have got a world-class player here. And, you know, I think people are really afraid to say it, but we simply do. You know, I've I've chucked a couple stats here trying to look at, you know, why. But, you know, he's got the highest non-penalty XA and XG or expected goals and assists in Europe's top five leagues. Um, He, in terms of output, has the most goal and assist output for any U21 in the Premier League since 2019. Um, You know, in all competitions, rather. So it's just... He's there on merit, you know, and as a profile in terms of what this England team needs, 
Um, he's everything in terms of progression that they need, right? If you're going to stick with a double pivot that's going to have progression issues, which I think England does, Saka is a cheat code. You know, he can go in and out both sides. You know, he, his footballing intelligence is his greatest quality. You know, you don't play every position bar center back and goalkeeper and get a goal and assist output in every single one, by the way, without having great IQ. Um, and I just think that he's able to adapt to people and force his game unlike many players in that England team. So as great as what Sancho is doing, I haven't seen him, for example, do it at right wing back. I haven't seen him do it in, you know, other positions bar right wing and left wing, which which is a great thing to have, right? That's not the point, though. I think the point is we need to find somebody that gives the best cohesion with the group, right? And, you know, I think Jack Grealish was a big thing. I'm really glad that he's learned his lesson really quick, Southgate, in terms of putting him in, because uh, yeah. that was dumb. And I don't know why he didn't do it before, but it was dumb. We as Arsenal recognize that. But um, Look, it, it, I think Bukayo Saka, if we're having a debate here, I want to see him play. And I think most of England do, because they've seen what we've been saying for the entire season. Right. And I think that yeah. we let narrative drive footballing opinion way too often. Um, and ultimately, Bukayo Saka, forget the season and the outputs comparing things. Um, on the international stage, he's done it. Uh, Jaden hasn't. So, uh, regardless, you know, there is precedent and merit, and he deserves his place. And, you know, I, I think he deserves to keep it too <laughs> as man of the match. So, yeah. um, we'll see. I mean, you can't drop him now. Like, I think it would be like very difficult for you to drop Saka, but somebody else who they need to make a huge decision on is Harry Kane. He what's going I'm on? A, like, you know, I, I think it has it. to, I mean, <laughs> come on, this guy is, he's clearly distracted from his, his he's move not, yeah. or whatever. He's, he's not fit. Yeah. He's not he fit. slow. So okay, I I think you know what? There's a couple instances. Look, Harry Harry Kane's playing center back. I think um, in the system, um, no, it's harsh. But he's dropping in way too deep. This isn't Spurs. You don't have to do that. Um, you know, just stick up into the middle of the box. We've got guys that can probably give you the ball. But you know, his touch is not is not great at all, right? And the one thing that really worried me is, oh gosh, I forget who they were playing. Who did England play second? I think. Um, where Reese James swung it across and, you know, um, Harry Kane for Tottenham, you know, he was onside clear and he just had the ball wide and it was an open goal really. And, yeah. and a Spurs Harry Kane finishes that a Spurs Harry Kane finishes a lot of chances that have come to be honest with you. Um, you know, even the other night um, with, uh, you know, with Saka and that performance, there's a couple times he could have slipped Saka and he just isn't sharp. He's a yard behind everybody and look i'm sorry i know he's the poster boy but i've even said it in some of my other predictions look you cannot um wait for somebody to go into form this isn't season football this isn't where you're waiting it's knockout football so play the person in form and you know what dominic calvert lewin deserves a shout you know if you're asking somebody to drop deep and facilitate play right and you also want to get on the on the end of crosses and you know maybe even you know an aerial ability um but even linking the play Dominic Calvert-Lewin has done that for Everton and had an excellent season. He deserves a chance and he deserves um, kind of the opportunity to replace Kane and just put him on the bench. I don't understand what the big deal the, is. The thing is, is he should have played against the Czech Republic. I just feel like Southgate missed a step there. You could have easily, you saw in the first two games that Kane was not ready. Like it was obvious. And, you know, at first I was like, well, maybe you, you can't drop your captain. 
But because you were kind of like in a good position, you knew that like, you know, you just had to be professional. He could have played Dominic Calvert-Lewin and seen if he could get a goal or whatever against the Czech Republic. Now you're going to play against Germany. Are you going to, you're going to drop him now? Like, you know, you can't, right now you can't like, so you made a, a mistake, but Kane has been such a disappointment, like not for me really, but like for England, like, you know, inject it like you know he's horrible you know but it just seems like he's so not there with the team and that could be a big issue because you have one game to make it work against a Germany side who are dangerous yeah yeah they're still dangerous I don't care what anybody says you know you it's peak like you know I'm like (laughs) you got Harry Kane out here playing um like freaking center back back there trying to play make. Can you get in the box? Like, Literally. can you enter the box? Tell a lot. He's got a pivot. He's got two people trying to do progression. We don't need you. <laughs> like stick. Well, maybe front. because um, Declan Rice and and Calvin Phillips are um, banned from being able to hit forward passes. Maybe Harry yeah. Kane is supposed to drop back and do those forward passes. And, and even our fullbacks <laughs> too. Apparently, you know, even like the England fullbacks, I seem to be just chilling. You know, kind of on the side. You know, we see Reese James is just relaxed, and you know, I'm like, lad, go in Thomas Tuchel's system. Like you're you're bombing on play. <laughs> like what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're. They need some, they, they're going to need, he's going to need to be brave. You know, it's, it's difficult, you know, but your best players behind the the striker have been Bakao Saka, Jack Grealish and, and Raheem Sterling. And mm-hmm. if you go around and start messing it around now, you could be out before, before you know it, you know, but guys, let us know what you guys, you know, think. Um, we just did our biggest disappointment. And so based on, you know, What's kind of that is horrible. Where's my question mark? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. You know what? Little little disclaimer too before we just jump on is probably Santos, the coach of Portugal, deserves a mention because I think uh, he's been so bad with that Portugal team. Um, you know, as much as I loved him taking out Bruno and again another injected moment. Oh wait, um, biggest disappointment. Wait, Bruno Fernandez. Bruno wait, Fern- before we. Get- <laughs> inject it okay so this guy Mm. is so bad at big games (laughs) that the only game that he looked decent in was the one against Hungary which ended up being a bigger game than than he probably thought the next two games that were big games he one he did not show up to and the other one he was dropped for (laughs) what is up like what is up like you can tell what the issue with Pogba is in terms of like Manchester United all that kind of stuff he's just he doesn't have the right people around him it's not the right fit but Bruno Fernandez, why can't he show up in big games? Like, what's happening? What's going on? Like, did you hear that Mourinho quote too? That you know we've been playing with ten players. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about Bruno. Um, it's it's true. In general play, he's he's just he, it really is quite odd. You know, ball striking has given him and many players a career. But um, yeah, Bruno has been really really disappointing. And also even that that coach. You know, I I know all too well being a fellow Greek of what Santos can do to a team. Um, but it's just it's not been good. It's not been pretty to watch. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that they didn't solve the issue at halftime against um Germany and they allowed Gosens to continue to come down that side. I was like, "Wow, they are shocking." Yeah. You know, but has your, you know, 
since the group stage, like how it kind of unfolded, has it changed your predictions in terms of like who might make it to the final, you know, who is like the, the favorite in this tournament? Yeah, Holland, for sure, because I had them, uh, you know, struggling. I, I had them going through, but I did really have them, I think, struggling in terms of, you know, not being the faves of the tournament, really. Like like I said, I think Holland and Italy are the best form teams right now. You know, I don't really want to quite do England yet because they haven't done it to the consistency <laughs> level as those two teams. Um, but, you know, you can thank Bukayo Saka, lads. Don't worry. <laughs> Why and, is it so funny to me? Ah, <laughs> uh, I love it. But, yeah, I think, like, Holland's definitely changed my mind, you know. Um, and maybe... I think that's pretty much it, you know what, to be fair. And maybe Denmark were a surprise. So I think if I'm looking at the knockout and like the roads to the final, our two underdogs in Wales and Denmark, they're kind of going to be facing off against each other where they were the surprises, at least for me. And so I think Denmark, I'll, I'll change that to them going quite far. I think they'll get to the quarters. I think they'll win that Wales game with their pressing. And, you know, uh, yeah, Denmark will definitely do well. Um, again, Holland, I think, you know, um, they're definitely surprised because I had them doing poorly. And, you know, that Sweden-Ukraine game is kind of intriguing. They're the opposites and the kryptonites of both each other. You know, Ukraine's got dangerous outlets, and then Sweden on the ball have been really quite impressive, with Isaac being a big reason why they have, they've had, like, an uptick in form. So I think in terms of just changing that side, probably. But, um, look, England are on the best side of the, of the draw. And so, you know, of course, I, mean, <laughs> I need them to look, I guess I need them to, I called them, it's their tournament to lose and I can't have egg on my face. You know, I've got some vets with my dad and my brother. So yeah, they need to win guys, period. I'm on your side, but um, they're on the good side of the draw. And I think that left-hand side is crazy, isn't it? Like when you look at it. Well, my prediction to win the tournament was freaking Portugal. So I'm sitting here at moments during that game, like, are you guys even going to be in the next round? Like, because at some points they were knocked out, you know? So, oh, you know? my God. And now I'm looking and I'm like, oh, cool, cute. So first you have to get past Lukaku and oh. Kevin De Bruyne. Then if you happen to get past them, Italy. you're probably going to have to play against Italy. So you're out. Like <laughs> You're definitely 100% out. I do not see Portugal getting further along in this tournament. So, yes that those group stages have changed my mind yeah. a little bit. And Portugal's pretty slow, right? So when you're looking at Belgium, <laughs> who I think they've got a lot of like gaps in their midfield, but they really need somebody to like, okay, Italy, what, Italy, Belgium is going to be an awesome game. I'm already slotting that as my quarterfinals. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and you know, it's weird. Croatia and Spain, like the most underwhelming, but like traditionally good teams are going to have a, a playoff there. And I don't know if Murata going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if Eminem will strike again. Like they've barely Eminem through. Eminem you know? is just horrendous. Like you know, it's like yeah. to, it's just not good. You they know, but just stick the snacks. You know, um, but it's just. Uh... <laughs> I mean, look at this this bottom set. Like, okay, so you have Croatia versus Spain. Yeah, I'm thinking that can go any way. To be honest, you know, it really, it really can. can. And maybe Spain is, you know, gets a little bit of confidence from this last game. But even Croatia had a really good game against Scotland. And so these are teams coming off of pretty big wins, you know, with some, I think Spain is one of the youngest teams and Croatia has mm. to be one of the older ones. So you have some experience going up against some, some young players, but Spain's best chance is playing their young players. They're Ferran Torres, you know, making sure Pedri is involved. You know, I think that one can go either way. And 
I'm looking forward to to watching France bop Shaka. To be honest, like you know, <laughs> I think Switzerland is so basic. Give him a good send off. We need to yeah, give him a, give him a nice good send off so that so. yeah, so that he can go ahead and get his um transfer over to Roma, get yeah. that done. You know, but is there any way to Harry because he's going to be very upset? Um. <laughs> <laughs> is there but... any is there any way that Switzerland gets through this? No, not at all. Um, Switzerland, like, they, they lack outlets themselves, and Zafarovic is, like, you know, probably their only great point in terms of up top. But look, Switzerland aren't bad. They're a decent team. They're compact. And, you know, as much as, you know, we love our Granite Shaka divisiveness, you know, he, he is a big player for them. And um, But, yeah, France. Um, I, I think France are built for this, right? So um, I really think Mbappe is going to have fun against that midfield. Um, and even they've got Kingsley Coman. They've got an embarrassment of riches. No matter how poorly they've kind of struggled in the group stage, France are just have an embarrassment of riches there. So they're yeah. really good in knockouts too. Like they are. You know, yeah. that's pretty much like their bread and butter. I mean, look how spoiled we are, you guys. Like we could in the quarterfinal see France versus Spain, mm. you know, or you know, France versus Croatia, or, you know, and then you get further down in there, you know, yeah. you could have France. Yeah versus Belgium or Italy or we are so spoiled like these are going to be some good games and then on the left hand side on the right hand side it's looking like the struggle zone over there England if you don't get through if you don't get through if they don't win the tournament I have said this I have said this shame on you like forget your (laughs) Southgate tax like the actual individual quality of that team is just stupid it really is Look, England's worst matchup actually is Germany here. Um, you know, right. and, and I don't actually think that's an easy game. I'll be honest with you, Jeff. No. Like, despite their troubles, Germany are a good team. Okay? I think they'll fancy themselves against England, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so I think how this one will go, right, is Germany, if they try to be on the ball and dominate the ball, I actually think that will suit England because they have the outlets to make them pay for it. I think part of the issue right now is, um, you know, you've got a pragmatic manager who's afraid to take initiative in Southgate. So he's tried this weird attempt of taking possession football, but he's way too pragmatic with the handbrake on to um, really enforce that. So he's in this weird in-between. Whereas Germany, you know, great on possession, but they just don't have that clinical edge, which is weird for a German efficiency thing, as, uh, you know, we talk about narratives. But um, I think if Germany do gain possession of this, um, it will suit England, actually. So um, we'll see. England have to go through, though. Like, I'm putting all the pressure on England. I'm sorry. Like, that, that side of the yeah, draw they have is, to. is amazing. <laughs> like, you know? It's unacceptable not to. They're playing it all coy, like, well, you know, it's fine. No, you need to get through. Because then if you guys, you know were to get through then you play against Sweden or Ukraine who you should beat so yeah I'm, I'm thinking that if England doesn't make it to the semifinal from here we have huge questions you know around what the heck they're doing and if you look at the bottom I mean Netherlands actually has a really good chance of getting to the semis yeah they they really do and look I'm gonna put my bets on little old Denmark they're clearly my dark horse yeah you, know, you like I love them, them. Yeah. okay so you know what I'm gonna back them you know uh, but look Holland for all their trouble. I think everybody had Holland going out, you know, maybe a round of 16 prior to the tournament starting and they could find themselves in the semifinal very easily. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, look, Denmark, my little, you know, dark horse that could, um, I hope that they go far. Um, But look, it's England's to lose based on this side of the draw, isn't it? It really is, you know, but I would love to see like Memphis Depay running towards Harry Maguire. That would be (laughs) something 
you know, fun for me to watch. You know, I love it. So, but I think we have some good games coming up, you know, and based on this, let's just do who, okay. So who's your semifinal on the left-hand side, you know, with the Italy left? and them. Yeah. Mm, who do you think okay. is going to uh, be the semifinal on that side? Italy, France. Um, Italy, for me. France. Yeah. And okay. I got outnumbered on my channel, but now that I'm on your channel, I can say why, but I think Italy mm. are going to the final in that case. Mm. And, you know, again, I don't think France have been great. You can't discount their pedigree and knockout competitions. But I did say, you know, with Italy and their midfield right now and Verratti, who just come back, came back from injury, you know, I think the addition of Mancini and that coach is going to be something where we always see these big international kind of stories close to a certain extent. Um, and so I think it's just France's time. They should have brought a lot of their under 21 midfielders. That would have been a much better dynamic, but they didn't. So based on these, stop I trying to get have... Samari in the team. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> He's my favorite player. He should have gone. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I've got Italy and um, France in that semi with uh, Italy going to the final, actually. I'm actually going to say something a little bit different. I think Belgium gets to, the semis against France, to be honest. I just feel, I just have this weird feeling that when Italy gets towards Belgium, like when Belgium will beat Portugal, I know they will. Yeah. So you have Lukaku, you know, I just think if he can mess around and get on a roll, he's going to be very hard to stop. So let's just say they stop Italy and they're dead in their tracks there. And it's uh, Belgium versus France right. in the semis. And then if we go over to the other side, I'm still, yeah, going with England. Actually, no. Germany versus <laughs> Netherlands in this in the semifinal. I think England's no gonna way. Bottle. You think unless they play Bakayo Saka, unless they play Bakayo Saka, if they drop him, yeah, they're out. But if Germany, they may be able to squeak by England, and if they do, I think they'll they'll go straight to the semis and they'll play against the Netherlands. But you have England versus Denmark in the semis. No, I, I, I joke, but I think Holland should go through. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll have England and Holland, and, you know, England will win that. So I've got an England-Italy final in my uh, little bets here, too. So, yeah, look, you're not picking a wrong one if you know France, if you believe that France will win in that matchup. I just think that midfield and their coaching is just, is just too much. I think France rely on individuals, and I'm a team guy, so I've got to uh, practice what I preach here. I think the Italy are the better team even if they don't have the better individuals. So yeah. And Southgate, you know, even with his tax, look, we've just got the players. And like you said, Bakayo Saka is going to win England, uh, the Euros. He's going to be Yo, confirmed. I need Arsenal that. Arsenal fans will be unbearable if that happened. I'm telling you. you I'm know? ready. Everybody thought I was unbearable with that one good performance. And I started quoting all the stats. <laughs> Wait till you guys get, you know, Bakayo goal in the final. Okay. I will celebrate that so shamelessly. Um, and I'll be loud. Don't worry. I'll be loud. So, yeah. <laughs> all the Bakayo Saka memes. I mean, the one with him with his shirt off and the, in, with all the other England players. And Jack did. I loved it. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I think we're going to have a really good tournament. You know, I think from here on out, it's going to be really good games. So, you guys, I'll keep you updated on, you know, the the schedule for the watch alongs and all that kind of stuff and you guys still have more to look forward to you know we'll be doing copa content and then when the gold cup comes around me and george are going to get together and do something
North American type show, you know, for all our people that care about that kind of stuff, you know, but yeah, guys, this was a really good stream. I really appreciate you guys being here and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel again for all of you guys that love George, make sure that you follow him on Twitter at George V underscore AFC and ball over passion is his show and his podcast and all that kind of stuff. So if you can go ahead and look that up, you will find him on all different platforms and yeah, we will see you guys soon. Bye guys. Bye guys.